0: The most important thing to with Snowfest. And I always answer it this way it, it was strictly a business proposition, but it, it evolved into, I think, community pride. I feel good about that.
1: Welcome back to Ordinary People Extraordinary Things. I'm your host, Cliff wa Sometimes it's so easy to just get used to what we see around us. And if somebody comes up and says, hey, Why don't we do things differently? Well, because that's the way it's always been. How many times have you heard that? Well, today's guest faced that very question when he kind of played around with this idea to turn a seemingly abandoned winter season into one of Michigan's premier snow festivals. And I'm talking about the Zender Snow Fest of Frankenmuth. Today, I'm talking with the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Zenders of Frankmuth and that would be John Shelton. John, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Cliff. Welcome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're from and where you grew up? Well, I'm originally from Buffalo, New York, and
0: uh, family's still there and uh, born and raised there, and um, I've been in Frankenmuth since 1988, but... Went to Valparaiso University in Indiana, played baseball there, and that's where I met met my wife, Martha Zender Shelton, and moved around, fell into the hospitality industry back in 1981 as she was getting another degree from UNLV in Las Vegas. Fell at first hotel job was the MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas and really kind of just liked the industry and fell in love with it and went from there to Hyatt Hotels in the Bay Area, and my wife and I uh, were married in the Bay Area. Then I got promoted to Atlanta, Georgia. From Atlanta, Georgia, I was a Director of Sales at the Hyatt Regency here in Flint, Michigan, and that's how I came to Michigan. My father-in-law got sick here at Zenders, and my wife really wanted to come home and get back into the family business. So we were living here in Frankenmuth, and I was uh, commuting to Flint. And then... My brother-in-law, Al Zender, was president, and at the time, he really had a vision of the company where he thought he saw it going, And but we didn't really have a marketing presence. He was trying to do that. He goes, hey, I'm not a marketing guy, and he asked me, would I be interested, and I really didn't have any interest in working in the family business originally, but it was always very professional and um he goes, hey, well, let's sit down and talk. I remember sending in my resume. I had to make an appointment with his administrative assistant. And we sat down, had a long conversation. He kind of outlined what his vision was. And I asked for A, B, C, D, knowing he was going to say no. He said yes, and I wasn't prepared for yes. And <laughs> three months later, I started in uh, January of 1991.
1: So Al paints this vision of his future, of where he sees the, you know, the Zenders of Frankenbuth going. And he asked you to come in to do the sales and marketing for that. What would you say would be some of your biggest challenges? First, let me just say I had an advantage because he gave me complete autonomy. Do what
0: you think is right. Because I was starting. I built it. They didn't have it. So the biggest challenge was when I was making change, and change is difficult for people. And I remember one of the employees goes, well, you seem to act like we don't, we're not successful. I go, oh, I never doubt your success. I'm here to make you more successful. So it was things that I just took basically the Hyatt playbook from an image standpoint to how to professionalize ourselves a little bit more. We, we did things from a sales standpoint for group sales in the same light of how we treat our transit guests, you and I coming here for dinner for a family of four or five people is totally different than you and I coming here for a banquet for 200 people. How you administer that is two different ways. I remember when we first started, we never even asked deposits for people. And I remember like first month we had a group that was supposed to come and they didn't show up. And I was like, well, when the last time, when did we confirm this? Oh, we haven't talked to him since last year when he booked it. There was a mindset was more of, Family dining, I brought how to handle groups and conventions. It was a different way to do business. They just didn't know it. And then once we, once we got through that, it was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, this does work. And so then I had the audacity to come up with something called Snowfest the year, a year Which is later. why we're talking today. Exactly. And I think that kind of, I, I always like to say for some people, I went from just being a family member Eddie's son-in-law to like, oh, that guy knows what he's doing. And so I realized right away, when you create a business opportunity
1: for everybody, people look at you differently. Speaking of business opportunities, back in the day, I used to actually work in Frankenmuth. And I would always dread New Year's because the day after New Year's, Frankenmuth would essentially go dead. Well, lo and behold, Snowfest comes around. And so a town, a city that was basically dead... All of a sudden now has hundreds of thousands of people coming through during the entire month of January. What I would like to do is I would like to explore with you where did the idea of Snowfest come from?
0: Well, it was nothing that I created. It was something that was happening, but it was happening on a very, very small scale, and that was on In Saginaw, Ojibwe Island. There's two gentlemen. One's Pete Rumsey ended up being very, very good friends, and he had a partner, Bill Doring. Bill had just opened up a business in town, and he actually and he had been running this snow sculpting event. No one really knew about it. It was just kind of like if you were in that type of art, you kind of, it was a very small group of people. And they would go around, and and I think. The year before I even started, we gave him a sponsorship of like five hundred dollars and said, "Okay, put our name out there." But it was on the island, and he would say people would drive around, but no one could really appreciate what he was doing. So he bought a, opened up a business in town. Actually, ended up being Revis Holographics. He only lasted a year. He wasn't—he was an artist. He wasn't a business person. He approached us, and I had just started, so. Because I was naive to the fact that in January you try to just hold down expenses. In my mind, I was like, well, why don't we try to grow revenue? So I wasn't indoctrinated in the sense of, well, you can't grow revenue because it's the wintertime. That never entered my mind. So I was bringing, again, a skill set from eight years of high. It was was always about, like, what if? What if? Why not try this? be innovative, do different things? And so I looked at it as like, why can't we generate revenue? not knowing that there was a mindset of the obstacles of, well, we don't do that. It's January, February. That doesn't happen. We can't do that until the summertime. So I was coming from a different viewpoint. So when the guy, Bill, approached me and Pete says, hey, we think we can do this, but they needed $30,000. And they promised, they were saying, well, we think you can get about 90,000 people. In all transparency and honesty, we were hoping if we got 10,000 people, because that was 9,990 more people than we normally would have had over a weekend. How could they make
1: that guarantee that they well, get 90,000
0: people? Well, they knew Frankenmuth as far as tourism. But see, they unbeknownst at the time to me, Bill and Pete snow carved all over the world. So they had been to events where they were participants that was drawing thousands of people. So, so they that's took, how they could do that. They, okay. So they saw where it worked at other places. They saw where it wasn't working in Saginaw on Ojibwe Island because they're not marketing people. They weren't looking at Saginaw as a destination for tourism. Because he opened up a business here in Frankenmuth, he knew Frankenmuth's tourism reputation. So he, in his mind, just thought, well, this should be easy. We've got a tourism community. There are business people, residents who understand tourism. I know the snow sculpting part of it. I've seen where it works. This should be a good marriage, but it takes resources to do it. Why he approaches Enders, I've never, that's the $30,000 magic question. Why he came to us versus, let's say, the Bavarian Inn or someone else, I don't know that. Maybe he did, but he came to us, and again, I was new. Al was really new into being president of the company over for a couple years, and we were just thinking, well, and we just kind of thought about it. I go, he asked me, what do you think? I go, I think I can make this work. And he goes, All right, let's do it. And so we made a commitment to him and I went around and asked a few people that I had gotten to know what they helped support this and some said well it was Gary McClellan from McClellan Properties, Fudge Kitchen and so forth
1: and Bronner's. And with that, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. When we come back, John is going to share with us how the Frankenbooth community responded to his crazy idea, some of the behind the scenes drama that he had to deal with, and the shocking results of that first Snowfest. You won't want to miss it. See you after the break. If you are enjoying this episode, well, then let me tell you, there's plenty more interesting stories to come. Michigan is full of people doing extraordinary things, and you can get these great stories sent directly to your inbox. Just go to TotalMichigan.com slash join, enter your email address, and join our community. When you do, we will also send you our top five interviews, the powerful lessons we've learned from these people, an invitation to our Facebook group, behind-the-scenes stories and pictures, as well as advance notice of upcoming guests and events. Just go to TotalMichigan.com slash join. It's fast, it's free, and it's easy. Sign up today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ordinary People, Extraordinary Things, talking with John Shelton uh, from the... Zenders of Frankenmuth, and we were discussing Snowfest. We were, now before we took the break, we were talking about the, the, the mechanics, the decision about bringing Snowfest to essentially a time in Frankenmuth where it was dead. And I know that you and Al said, maybe we can make this work. What made you think that you could make it work?
0: Well, I just had confidence in the ability that Zenders and Frankenmuth has in tourism. Well, that was easy, okay? I didn't know what Bill and Pete were talking about because I knew nothing about snow carving and what that really meant, and I had never seen what they did on Ojibwe Island. I wasn't here at that time. But what it really boiled down the cliff, and, and we're sitting there, what do we have to lose, guys? If we don't try anything, we already know what the results are going to be. That's right. Because we had over 80 years of history telling us if we do absolutely nothing, we know what's going to happen. Nothing, And if it fails, we can say to ourselves, "We tried," and we also knew just we're gonna just be back at square one. Okay, so we just looked at it from the upside, the potential, and so we kept Bill and Pete. Says, "Oh, here's what we need to do." They basically said, "We'll bring you the sculptors; you do the promotion." Well, we were very comfortable with that, and in my mind, Cliff, in all honesty. I, I was thinking if the sculpting is a bust, the worst thing that's going to happen is they get to at least get a Zender's chicken dinner. And that's not all that bad. Yeah. So we just knew people would have at least something to say, well, that was okay. Wouldn't do it again. But at least we got to go to Zender's again. So we just thought that was going to be workable. But we had no idea how to set it up. They taught us. I mean, it took us two weeks. I think the first year we had like, I want to say nine or ten snow blocks. Then John Zender, our food and beverage director who, and who was involved in the American Culinary Federation, Flint, Saginaw chapter, he got some of his chef buddies to do like nine ice carvings. It's kind of like the ice carvings you see on like a wedding buffet or something like that. There you go. And we had nine of them on the grass at the time in, on front, of, in front of Zenders. Lo and behold, I knew I, could, I knew I could promote it, but I didn't really know what the results of what I was promoting because I hadn't seen it. So I was trusting them to give me a good show. But once we got everything set up, it took us two weeks. Now it takes us less than four days to set up about 60 blocks. But we just didn't know. So they, and all that Bill and Bill, Pete did, they reached out to their snow carving friends. Come to Frankenmuth. And so they did. And it blew everybody away. Because what they created, no one had ever seen before. It wasn't Beautiful. like your
1: front yard snowman. These guys were good. So let me ask you a question, because we were talking before about how they said we could get you 90,000 people. And you're saying to yourself, you know what, if we get 10,000, we'll be lucky. Yeah, we'll be happy. We'll be happy. We'll be happy. So how many do you estimate showed up to the About 90,000. We were so understaffed, got our butts kicked. But it was a good butt kicking, because we're like, whoa! Now, what I want to do is I want to ask this quick question here, because you're doing something brand new. Correct. Everybody will follow your success, but to be the person out on front sometimes can be a little bit a little bit rough you know what was the what was reaction from like the city i know you said some of the businesses here decided to oh they absolutely loved it
0: they absolutely loved it beautiful because everybody was overwhelmed never seen it before
1: it what was, about before you did the snow fest?
0: well again i wasn't here okay yeah before so i mean i had been here the first Snowfest i had just finished a year so that first year i'm just trying to figure out internally how to get better at what we're doing. I'm putting my own team together. I'm just making things happen like, hey, we've got to get better of servicing our current customers. I'm trying to teach our staff the difference between the transient guests and a group guest at a banquet and just somebody sitting down. So there's a lot of fundamental things that we're going through that, hey, we need to skirt the tables. We need to skirt our, our AV equipment. And they're like, well, why do we have to do that? Because trust me, if you do it, and then, they go, oh, it does look better. I just... I, I took my Hyatt playbook, and Hyatt is a world-renowned professional. I just took that playbook and then tweaked it to make it work for Zenders. They didn't have a marketing playbook because we didn't have a marketing department. So I spent the first year creating the department and putting my team together. Now it's Snowfest. It's my basically my second winter, and we were approached with this idea, okay, let's make this work. As we got to it that weekend, and it was just basically a... Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They came in. Bill and Pete put the rules together. It was their people because they knew them, because they carved with them throughout the United States and throughout the world. So they just kind of put them. They took what they did on Ojibwe Island, brought it to Frankenmuth. I took the tourism side and the Zender's name and the marketing, and we had this marriage. And it worked because we were so understaffed because we were thinking, hey, well, you know, if we get 10000 over the weekend. So we prepare for that. We had lines everywhere, but no one complained because people liked what they saw and it was different. And they're like, we've never really been to Frankenmuth in January. So everybody, so it was just, it was such a exciting time that people let the long lines, the wait, that didn't bother them. They're walking up in the, and, they're, and what they're looking at. And we created this slide over by the chamber. But I remember walking at the time, my kids were like three and two. And I'm walking around, I'm not an artist, and we're just so excited, like, and everybody's congratulating one another. And my kids are complaining. They're two and three. I'm go. And I'm like, okay, you know how parents are like kids. Again, huh? on my look, you're, you're getting on my nerves, kids. But then <laughs> it da- a light bulb went off. I'm sure I'm not the only parent dealing with a kid kind of just not happy. And for whatever reason, Cliff, I said at that moment, if I can make the kids happy, I'm gonna make parents happy. Yes, you are. Okay. So then we decided, to get a petting zoo. I started thinking of ideas. How do I make little kids happy? Because I have kids, I make mean, kids like the petting zoo. We have a slide, we had amusement rides, and that's what brought all of that together. And then the next year, because everybody's outside, if you can only stay out there so long, we said, let's put a tent up. That sounds like a good idea. And they can go in the tent, but it was still cold in the tent. So I think it's the third the year we heated the tent. So it just kind of just, no pun intended, I guess, or pun
1: intended, it snowballed. And it just got better. We just came up more ideas. Let's talk about, let's go back to that first okay session that you were, that you, the, the first snow fest that came through. When it was all said and done, I mean, what was some of the feedback? What was some of well, the challenges that well, came about? When from, it was all
0: said and done. The sales that we had, the sales that other businesses—I remember getting letters or people calling me and saying, "I can pay my bills for the next three months because of this." So it, it caught on right away because people were very successful when that happened. What the challenges we had internally that customers never saw—Bill again—I didn't know the carvers. Bill had made promises to the carvers. I didn't know we were going to pay the carvers. Oh, I didn't know they were coming here for a fee because now we have people coming up like, oh yeah, I was supposed to get $1,000. For what? Well, Bill said, you know, we, because if we came. So I told him, and at the time his, his partner, Pete Rumsey, about three days after, Pete goes, hey, can I talk to you? I go, sure. He's a teacher, our teacher goes, I don't operate like that. I don't like surprises, and I don't like surprises. So I was a little irritated that we had all of these promises that were made that we were unaware of, but we didn't care. Because we had the resources and the revenue. I can pay you. And I still got plenty for myself. But I didn't like surprises. So Pete goes, I can get you more carvers. I can get you the best of the best. So we started doing the international division. We had teams from Italy, Hong Kong, Russia, England, Germany for about the first eight or nine years. I mean, it was really International. Obviously, in Mexico, Canada. So each year, as we mentioned, after that first, it just got, I got, I don't know if I got smarter. I was just more willing to look and listen. How do we change it? So then people go, oh, you want to be the biggest in the back? I go, I've never wanted to be the biggest. But we always said we wanted to have the highest quality. We yes. wanted to have the best sculptors at our event. So then we just started, you know, How do we get more sculptors? And people started asking me, well, how do I get a snow block in front of my place? And I remember at the time, Plymouth was kind of known for their ice show. Yes. So John and I went one year. We went down to Plymouth, and I noticed that there were ice carvings in front of the businesses in downtown. I remember walking to a drugstore and going, if you don't mind me asking, did did you have to pay for that ice carving? Yeah, it cost him. I think he told me 100 bucks. Looked under the skirting. They had all these cement blocks and on the plywood. And we can do that. So that's why I got the idea from the Plymouth show, that okay, you want a bis- you want an ice carving in front of your business, we can make that happen. And no one no one complained because it's like, hey, this works. We're, the people are coming. So then I think the probably for the proudest moment of Snowfest, I think it was 1996, Cliff, when Willard Scott was here, there you the go, Today Show, came. Now, again, right place, right time reason that happened had nothing to do with Zenders and Snowfest, but it had everything to do with Zenders and Snowfest because it created a venue to make something happen. At the time, WNEM went, was NBC. WEYI was CBS. They flip-flopped affiliations. So, EYI was becoming NBC and they wanted a way to kick off a new affiliation. The general manager called and says, hey, we're going to be NBC affiliates starting January. Really want to have a big splash in the marketplace to do that. And we were hoping, is it possible that we can have Willard Scott come to Snowfest? Oh, uh, yeah. And I was like, well, can you? let me put you on hold one second here. <laughs> Dude, let sure, we can make that. that happen. And, he, and that's how it came. And he did four segments live right here in our, by the bakery driveway. Then we start reaching out to our vendors and Pepsi, as you can see here, I went in to Pepsi and said, well, hey, let's put the Snowfest on our cans. And we'll send a million cans out statewide. So when I would go, really my main job has been to try to get major sponsors. And And we have many, many major sponsors, not just here locally. And so it gave credibility. Hey, yeah, we saw you guys on the Today Show. I saw your logo on a Pepsi can. So it made it a little bit easier to reach out to businesses and say, Can you support this? Here's what your benefits are going to be. We're going to have about 150,000 people over the next five days. It became a much easier sell. But again, compared to the summertime, I wasn't competing against anybody. No, you weren't. So when you look at the summer, you Fourth of July, you got Montrose Blueberry Fest. There's somewhere you can go every week into a festival. Plus, it's summertime, so you want to do your vacation. You want to go to the beach. There's a lot of opportunities. In the wintertime, either you're gonna ski, snowmobile or stay home. Stay home or look for another activity. This was one of the few festivals that was ha- happening in Michigan. You know, there's the Plymouth Ice show, there was Snowfest and Tip Up Town around Houghton. Okay. And that was it. So and they're all different weekends. So we no one was no one had to the market share was hundred percent for you. If you were providing something you thought people would enjoy, then jump way ahead in 2005 when we open up Splash Village. Now we can say, "Hey, you can go indoors. You can go to our water park." So it's kind of like kind of really ironic that we have guests that are in a bathing suit and they go, "Oh, let's get let's get out of the water park because we got to go to Snowfest." Yeah. Or vice versa, let's go look at the snow sculptures and bundle up. Now you can go ice skating uh, with the new ice rink. So yes. there's all these different things that people can we we offer. We always say. There's always a reason. Whatever the season, there's always a reason to come to Frankenmuth. Well, Snowfest itself has three different varieties within that. You can go ice skating, you can watch the ice carving, you can watch the snow carving, and you can go to a water park and put on your bathing suit where it's always 84 degrees and sunny.
1: How many people do you think are are coming out, how many are you projecting for this year? Oh, it's always about a hundred thousand. About a hundred thousand,
0: yeah. And, and it's, it's been as high as we think, 160,000. You know, it's hard to, but yeah, we already know, everybody knows, after 31 years, you're going to be fully staffed. Think of this as Cliff. That if we're Fourth of July weekend or any like this, this is the busiest time of the year for us. We're busy every weekend now, and just we're very blessed to have such a successful business going for us here at Zenders, and it's just another busy weekend. We know where the sales are going. Now, well, I can't control, and I don't lose sleep over it. I can't control the storm. That's the only thing. Now, we've been very blessed. Never lost a Saturday. We've lost days. The worst day of Snowfest on a Sunday it rained. And it was like a, you could shot a cannon through here and wouldn't hit anybody. Okay, So that showed me the worst thing that can happen is rain. It just eats that snow and ice away. We've had storms, high winds. People have kind of like, we can make this work, but rain. They're not coming out in the rain. That's, I, I learned that lesson a long time ago. That's the one element of weather that they are not going to come to for Snowfest. So I'm happy. I'm proud of what we've done. But it's just not me. It's just not Zender's. And I always get during that, I get a lot of interviews, Cliff, and people go, what is, what is, what's the most important thing to you with Snowfest? And I always answer it this way. It, it was strictly a business proposition, but it, it evolved into, I think, community pride. I feel good about that.
1: John, for anyone who wants to learn more about SnowFest and what's going on, they want to connect with you online, what would be the best way for them to do that?
0: The best way is online. And obviously, you know, the dates of SnowFest, 2023, January 25th to the 29th. But just go to zenders.com backslash SnowFest. It has the entertainment schedule. It'll have uh, what's happening on each day, uh, when events start, fireworks, warming 10 hours, and all of the necessary information. You can also call us, 800-863-7999 uh, for our call center. They'll be able to provide you all the information, not only at Snowfest, but even if you have any related questions to Zenders itself during that time of frame. But, again, the best way is to go to com. highlights the dates, highlights all your times, and that should be the most informative way to find out exactly what's going
1: on. For Zender Snowfest 2023, and for our podcast listeners, we will have all those links in the show notes down below. John, it's been great talking with you today and learning more about uh, Snowfest and the history of it. So, thank you for taking. Well, thank time. you. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to me
0: and and getting me involved. And uh, I appreciate uh, your listeners, and I appreciate your willingness to take your time out of your schedule to hear
1: our story. And for our audience, you can get all the show notes and links for today's episode. Just go to TotalMichigan.com, click on John's interview, and you'll be able to find all the information there. Once again, TotalMichigan.com, and we'll catch you next week with another inspiring story.